Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. You're listening to Faith Seeking Understanding, and I'm your host, John Green. Thanks for being along. We're continuing our look at um, the, a woman called Ruth from the uh, book of Ruth in the Old Testament. Um, she is the great-grandmother of King David and is in the line, therefore, of Jesus the Messiah. And so Matthew includes her in this list as one who is an outsider, but who um, shows, nonetheless, what true righteousness is, um, because she comes into the land with her mother-in-law, Naomi, after the death of her husband, his brother, and Naomi's husband as well. And now what we uh, saw yesterday was this worthy man of the tribe of, of Elimelech, the, the uh, father-in-law of Ruth, um, this man Boaz, who has decided to become the Redeemer, the Redeemer that she needs after another who, who was a nearer kinsman, who therefore had right of first redemption. She, um, after this Redeemer, would-be Redeemer, declined to purchase the property uh, because with that came an obligation to marry Ruth and provide uh, progeny for her and for her ex-husband, Machlom. So that's where we are. And so so yesterday we saw him, Plony Almoni, the man with no name, um, decline to do that so that Boaz steps up and says, I'm going to do this. So then all the people who were at the gate and the elders said, we are witnesses. May the Lord make the woman who is coming into your house, like Rachel and Leah, who together built up the house of Israel. May you act worthily in Ephrathah and be renowned in Bethlehem. And may your house be like the house of Perez, whom Tamar bore to Judah because of the offspring that the Lord will give you by this woman. So it's a, it's a beautiful passage, that, that blessing of the people there. So what's happened is, is that they've gone into this thing, and Boaz says, look, there's an opportunity here. And he offers the opportunity to the guy, Plony Almoni, no name, is that what that means? That so he offers that opportunity to purchase this property to him. And originally, Plony Almoni says yes. And then he says, Oh, by the way, in order to do that, you've got to marry Ruth and you've got to provide children for her. You're not just a, a right of redemption doesn't just apply to the land, it also applied to the widow of the man whose land this would have been. So he declines to do that. And then uh, Boaz says, I'll, I'll do it. I'll be the one that steps up and do this. So after he's made the deal, he, he says, your witnesses, all you people who are here, he had, he had gathered a quorum, which is 10 Jewish elders. He gathered them together in, in order to witness this, this transaction because it's necessary to have that group uh, witness such things. So he does that, and then he says, your witnesses, and their response is, we are witnesses. And then, and then they bless him with that blessing of, may the Lord make the woman who is coming into your house, Ruth, <laughs> like Rachel and Leah, who together built up the house of Israel. So who, who are Rachel and Leah? Well, I mean, surely you know who they are, but if not, then I'm just going to remind you, these are Jacob's wives, right? His initial intent was to marry Leah, but he's tricked by his father-in-law into marrying Rachel first, <clears throat> and then Leah. So... <clears throat> I'm sorry, other way around. Um, and then they give their maids as well. And so the 12 tribes are the product of that, those marriages, I guess is the best way to say it. And then so they built up the house of Israel. So the house of Israel went from one person, Jacob, to 12 in his sons, including the sons of his, his son Joseph as well. 
so he says, may the Lord make the woman like them, both of them, who together built up the house of Israel. So what do we know happens? Well, we know that three generations down the line, David comes in. So they built up the house of Israel from Abraham, their grandfather, then to now the uh, we come down to the line not just of um, Judaism through Abraham, but also then to David. And so the, the writer of the book of Ruth is bringing all this history in. And then they say, okay, in addition to that, may you act worthily and be renowned in Bethlehem. In other words, what they're, what they're saying is, is that, that, that God might bless her to be fruitful and multiply, and then he would bless you as her husband to be a worthy man. So in other words, what they're saying is, is that, that we want this to be an important line, and so you would be renowned in Bethlehem. And may your house be like the house of Perez, whom Tamar bore to Judah because of the offspring that the Lord will give you by this young woman. So who is this Perez and Tamar? Well, we've already looked at that, right? Because Tamar was the daughter-in-law of Judah who was married to one of his children, and then that one died, and then he gave her another one of his boys, and he refused to do um, what he was supposed to do, which was to, to give her children, and so God took him as well. And then ultimately, there's another one, and, and Judah won't do it. because he, he won't give that one. He, that one's too young at the moment, so she has to wait, and then he refuses to do it because he's afraid that one will die too. So she has to trick him into providing um, the service of, of creating a child with her. So she pretends to be a prostitute. Judah, for whatever reason, decides, well, that sounds like a plan, after his wife had died, um, and then impregnates her. And, and, you know, there's more to that story. If you want to hear that, go back about three or four days, and you'll hear that part of the story. So they're asking for this. So now they're, they are bringing in Tamar into the line, um, and, and it's continuing the line that's already there because Judah— is the father of them all. So you go from Rachel and Leah, Jacob's kids, uh, Jacob's uh, wives, and, and then so now that gets us the 12, and then within the 12, then we have Judah, who is the father of the people who live in Bethlehem. David is from the line of Judah, and Jesus is from the line, from the line of Judah, and he is the lion of the tribe of Judah. So it's interesting that the, the writer here sees this thing, takes into account Rachel and Leah, but then points to Judah, through whom Tamar had Perez, and now we get this line. So they're, they're, they're bringing in this same woman that Matthew brings into the genealogy, and, and so they're remembering her as the mother of Perez, who is back in time the one of the line of this tribe. So Boaz took Ruth, and she became his wife, and he went into her, and the Lord gave her conception, and she bore a son. Um, then the woman said, women said to Naomi, blessed be the Lord, who has not left you this day without a redeemer, and may his name be renowned in Israel. He shall be to you a restorer of life and a nourisher of your old age, for your daughter-in-law, who loves you, who is more to you than seven sons, has given birth to him. So that's the way the announcement is made to Naomi. And so remember when Naomi comes back into Bethlehem after having spent at least 10 years down in Moab, when she comes back, Naomi means pleasant, and she comes back and she says, no, 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 don't call me Naomi anymore. I'm not pleasant anymore. My life is bitter. Call me Mara, which means bitter. 
So now, though, these women come, and, and, and they are encouraging Naomi and the Lord, and they know exactly how to encourage her. Blessed be the Lord. It's him who's done this thing. It's not your uh, trickery or any of those kinds of things that have caused this to happen. It's the Lord who's done it and has not left you without a Redeemer. And then he will be a restorer of life and a nourisher of your old age. What a beautiful thing. What, what a wonderful thing to, that she, he is the restorer of life. And, and why would that be? Well, because she's lost through death everything else in her life. And so they're praying for her in the same way the elders and the people pray for Boaz. Now, these women are proclaiming this blessing and this prayer over Naomi, that Boaz would be a restorer of life and a nourisher of your old age for the daughter-in-law who loves you, who is more to you than seven sons. No matter how many sons you had, you just had two. She's better than if you had had seven of them. And she's given birth to a child. So Naomi took the child and laid him on her lap and became his nurse. And the women of the neighborhood gave him a name, saying, A son has been born to Naomi. They named him Obed. He was the father of Jesse, the father of David. So what does it mean that a son has been born to Naomi? Well, she had lost her sons. And this one is the replacement in the same way that Seth was sort of a replacement for Abel, for Adam and Eve. And so that's what they mean when they say a son has been born to Naomi. It's as though she's, has, uh, she's had her son replaced. And that's exactly the point of the kinsman redeemer is, is that they're providing children, remember, to carry on the family name and to, to replace the one who died who died without progeny. So her grandson is sort of attributed to her, and and he is named then Obed. And then we get the genealogy of David. Following that, these are generations of Perez. Perez fathered Hezron. Hezron fathered Ram. Ram fathered Abinadab. Abinadab fathered Nashon. Nashon fathered Salmon. Salmon fathered Boaz. Boaz fathered Obed. And Obed fathered Jesse. And Jesse fathered David. And so there ends the... The book of Ruth, this extraordinary woman who, who has come from a hated group of people, a people that who have been uh, proscribed from marrying Israelites. They're not allowed to, to marry Israelites, and yet the Lord redeemed not just Naomi and not just Ruth in the sense of uh, redeeming their, their childlessness and their widowhood. No, he, he redeemed more than that. He redeemed um, Ruth, to become part of the people of God. And it's because she saw something, even though she's looking, and from an outsider's perspective, you could look and say, your God's not all that great. Uh, And the proof of that would be, well, all the men folk have died after you came here because there was a famine in your land, but there wasn't a famine here, and you came here. So it looks for all the world like, like your God is not as good as our God, and yet Ruth sees something understands something through the witness of these people's lives to the, to, that testifies to the greatness and the goodness of, her, of their God. And so she goes, and she refuses to be dissuaded and refuses to go back. She casts in her lot not only with Naomi, but with Naomi's people and with Naomi's God. That's exactly what she says. And then because she did that, and because she was a faithful woman, who lived life under the law, understood herself to be an outsider. Now God pulls her, like he did with Rahab, he pulls her into that line, like he does 
with Tamar. And so ultimately, all these women become important personages in Israel, even though they didn't start there. And so again, I believe that there's a reason there are two basic reasons I believe Matthew's doing this. I believe first, he's, he is lifting up Mary by lifting up these women, these women who, who um, people from the outside had different opinions about, but God brought them into the covenant community and lifted them up in that community by, by using them to bring important people into the line of Messiah. And, and I believe that's part of the reason. And the other side of it is, it's the work of God constantly incorporating righteous Gentiles into his covenant community. In the same way, for instance, that he does with Cornelius and those in his household, as he does with the Philippian jailer, as he does with all these people who Paul preaches to and brings into the kingdom and brings into the people of God, into the covenant community. And so, what he's saying is God's always had a plan. I believe this is what he's saying, at least. God's always had a plan to bring in the Gentiles. And in fact, he's enriched the line of Messiah by these Gentile women particularly. No matter what people might have thought about him, whatever rumors there might have been about him, whatever people might have preconceived notions about them, what, what he's saying to us is God's doing something here. God's doing something extraordinary here. And it's important what he's doing. It's not just that he is, um, is, is bringing in Gentiles. No, he's enriching the line, enriching the fellowship, enriching the people of God by bringing these particular women into that line. And, and he's basically saying, so Jesus is in the line of Abraham and David, two important things. You've got to be Jewish, and you've got to be in David's line if you're going to sit on David's throne. So he's saying that about Jesus. And then I believe that subtly what he's saying is Mary is in line with these women. She likewise should be exalted, and so he maybe he was the first Roman Catholic. <laughs> I don't I don't mean that that way, but but it, but it is a matter of Mary's importance. I believe is being stressed through this um, through this genealogy and the focus that Matthew gives to these specific women in that genealogy. And I believe also he's saying something very interesting to the community that's being formed that's that that's designed to bring acceptance of the Gentiles that God's bringing into the people of God, into the covenant community, particularly in Antioch, to, that we believe that's to whom this was originally addressed. And so I, I think those are the, the main things that he's trying to do. And, and I'm not sure that, that you could have found any better examples along the way or any that were more well-known by the Jews. And so Ruth, in my mind, stands sort of head and shoulders above all the others in there. I, I just love Ruth, and I love the book of Ruth in a way that, that I love very few other books. And it's just because you can see so much richness and so much about what it means to be a faithful person of God, man or woman, because Boaz is as well, and, and what that brings and what it teaches, and, and how being a, an example of that to the community enriches and builds that community in ways that that are important. And so my prayer for all of us is that that we would in all our personal interactions that we would have the the worthiness and the faithfulness of Ruth and Boaz. And and so we'll begin next week with uh, Bathsheba, and then we'll work our way through through the rest of the genealogy pretty quickly. Uh, we we might spend one day, but it could be two days on Bathsheba. Um, there's a lot there. But but at the same time, there's not a lot there uh, with her. 
And so we'll start that next week. So I hope you have a blessed weekend and a blessed um, time of worship tomorrow uh, in your churches on Sunday.